that chakra is sending a movie up to your brain and your brain is responding to the emotions of it. So the movie might say, don't move because you'll be attacked. So in life, you get really stuck and you don't really know where to turn because there's a story going on in the chakra system that says, don't move or being all of who you are is dangerous. So what we do, what I do is I go in and we find out what the story is because each body takes it in differently. You're listening to The Boundless Heart, the podcast empowering women into fierce self-love, independence, and equal partnership. I'm your host, Elsie, and today I've brought my guest, Karina Hammer, on to talk about trauma and why traditional ways of treating it fall short. Through her 20 years of experience teaching yoga, including as the first brand ambassador for Athleta under the Gap name, and working with Team Nike Accelerate executives, along with countless men and women in studios globally, she has developed the Nervous System Recalibration, or NSR, process, which combines polyvagal theory and the chakra system as the key to unlocking trauma from our lives. Trauma can keep us repeating patterns of codependency, people-pleasing, and self-abandonment. I know I'm ready to break free. Be sure to listen through because not only does Karina offer a discount for her sessions, but I decided to keep our off the mic segment in for everyone. So you get a sneak peek into the inner circle. Members of the Boundless Heart inner circle are ready to let go of the past and who they were told to be, reclaim their own bodies as home and their own knowing as their authority. Listen at the end, and I'll give you the details on how to join us there. As we rise, we uplift the world. Everyone has experienced trauma in some capacity. How do we define trauma? How do you define trauma? Trauma is really actually a medical definition at this point because everybody has experienced trauma. This is like a nobody's getting out of it alive kind of moment that we've had between 2020 and our childhood and all the changing that we're doing, right? So our working definition of trauma is anything that overwhelms the nervous system to the degree that it doesn't have the capacity to integrate or deal with it in the moment. And trauma can even be something that didn't happen. It can be overwhelming if someone doesn't show up for us. It can be overwhelming if someone's like, I got you, and then they don't got you. Or it can be overwhelming if we need someone and we can't get a hold of somebody. So trauma is something that did or didn't happen that overwhelmed us, and it somehow stores in the body as trauma or overwhelm. That's a really amazing definition and one I've never heard. And it makes so much sense. When people treat trauma or are being treated for trauma, Why do some of the traditional ways fall short? What we've known about trauma in our history is completely wrong. (laughs) And that's why uh, the way that we've been treating trauma falls short. We have had this super egotistical idea that everything's stored in the mind. And so we dig into somebody's brain, we have them tell us the story of what's going on, and we think that it's solved in the mind. And it's not. Trauma is stored in the body. And that's why... There's this big conundrum, especially for uh, behavioral health care experts who have been having people retell their traumatic story over and over again in order to try and heal it and they try and reframe it. They try and create a different ending. They try exposure therapy where they re-expose them to some similar experiences and try and work it out through the nervous system that way. Trauma is not housed in the brain. It's housed in the body and it doesn't come out like a thought process that comes out as a reaction. And so because trauma is stored in the body, that's where we need to turn in order to heal it. Most people are not aware that according to polyvagal theory, 80% of our emotions are actually stored in our body. So when we're looking for the emotional component in the mind, that's not even where the memory is. The memory is in the body. And when it comes up the 10th cranial nerve to the mind as an emotion, So trauma is actually really a memory. I'm already speechless. (laughs) Yeah. I'm actually going to kick this into 
just a little reminder for everyone. I think that when you're in a relationship, remember that Karina says, (laughs) and it's true that traumas come out, not as thoughts, right? Right. They come out as reactions. And so if you're in relationship with somebody and they've had trauma in their history, they tend to be reactive. And then that dysregulates everyone. But we're dysregulating ourselves with trauma that's housed in our body. So it's important, not only important, I'm going to say it's critical and absolutely necessary to address your nervous system, your chakra system, and your body when you're trying to heal trauma. You can't just talk about trauma and heal it. Kind of like you can't just talk about the fact that your arm is broken and not do anything to the arm. (laughs) Perfect example. And you might want to say, you know, this happened to my arm and this is how I feel. But you have to address the fact that your arm is broken. And if you don't heal the arm, you're not going to heal the break in the bone. So yeah, perfect example. This is how we get stuck in basically a loop, right? Or in the processing of trauma or emotions, even we continue to loop the thought, right? So we're getting stuck in the processing, whereas we want to eventually get to the point where we can let it go. And I think this is how the chakras come in and what you are presenting with your nervous system recalibration. Yes, exactly. So that feedback loop, that loop where we think a thought and we think a few steps beyond it and then we're back to the original thought and we we keep getting stuck in in psychology, it's called ruminating thoughts. We think a thought, we try and find a solution and then we're back to step one again. Like it's just this ongoing loop, this ongoing cycle. What's happening is the different areas of the brain are not actually integrating and processing. It's like you put something on your computer system and you put a new program in and what you put on your computer system speaks Spanish and you uh, put a new program in in Swahili. It doesn't speak to each other. And that's what's going on in the brain. With trauma, there are cognitive or thinking areas of our brain that are thinking of the story. But where it gets stuck is in the amygdala, the emotional area. And that emotional area hijacks the thinking process. So the thinking process can't keep moving forward. It doesn't have access to the information that that emotional part is actually holding. And so that's how we get stuck in those ruminating thoughts. So when somebody says, why can't you just get over it? It's because literally the wiring of the brain is not allowing the healing process to take place in the area where the memory resides. So the memory doesn't heal. When the memory doesn't heal, the emotion doesn't heal. Wow. When you look into then the chakras, you're able to start to heal that memory. Is that true? Yes. And so let's talk about the chakras and why they're important in order to heal the memory. So a chakra literally means disc or wheel in Sanskrit. And there are seven chakras in our body. In fact, you've probably already felt one in your throat chakra. You know, when you get really emotional, when you go to say something and you feel this tightening in your throat or you watch a movie and you want to say, oh, that happened to me too. And you like your voice can't speak because it's like clenched. That's your throat chakra. So there are nerve ganglii. This is not Om Fufu yoga shit. This is real. There are nerve ganglii that come forward in each of these seven energy centers. Well, in yoga, we've always known that, but science is just beginning to prove it. So there are seven energy centers in your body and seven chakras, and they're each responsible for something different. At the very base, uh, down by your, kind of by the tailbone area is the root chakra. All these seven centers develop at different times in our lives, but they're always in ongoing development, just like our body kind of developed into adult-looking bodies (laughs) at a certain time in our life, but they're still developing all the time. Our brain develops at a certain time. Science used to think that at 21, the brain was fully developed. No, it's not. (laughs) I've seen a lot of people who are not fully developed at 21. So uh, these centers, they have developmental stages that are enhanced during those times. I'm not going to get too deep into that, but they they do develop ongoing throughout our lives. So the root chakra is just just above that tailbone area. And it's 
responsible for information about safety and abandonment, our tribe, are we a fit for the tribe or not? If we show up in this lifetime and we're not really a great fit for our tribe, that root system, which is connected to survival, is going to struggle. And so I've created the sacred rite of each of the seven energy centers. And that root chakra is where we feel we have the right to exist. So if we don't fit with our tribe or if we're always having safety issues or we're suffering from abandonment or a lot of fear, kids who grow up in areas where there are war, they're not going to feel that really clear foundation of they have the right to exist. The second chakra is in the sacrum area. It's kind of that fused area of the tailbone in the pelvis area. And it's responsible for emotion, energy in motion. And it's all about shadow work. (laughs) It's our big blind spots, the place of addiction. And it's the place of our one-on-one relationships. So not necessarily do I know how to communicate well with the tribe, but do I know how to communicate with one other person within the tribe? It's responsible for joy. It's espashishtara, it means sweetness. And it's also the place of guilt. So if you have a person who guilts you a lot, it's going to do a lot of damage in this area. The second chakra sacred right is the right to feel what I feel. That second chakra is all about feelings. And so if you grow up in a situation where someone does not let you feel what you're feeling, or even yourself, you don't allow yourself to do that, you're going to end up having issues there. The third chakra is the solar plexus. It's that soft space where the ribs have spread. And this is the place of authority, manipura, the place of my willpower and my won't power. It's the place where this invisible jury you know, follows us around. And it's the place of me having the sacred right to own my own power. The fourth one is the heart center. And it's the center of the seven. So it's the place of balance. It's the place where we come into how do I fit in society? Starts developing when we start going to school and things like that and start learning how to be having these other social kinds of systems. It's the place where we develop compassion and love. And it's a really complex energy center because it both gives and receives in equal parts. And it's the sacred right in this lifetime to love and be loved. And the fifth chakra is located at the throat center. It's all about communication, the place of listening and of speaking. And it's also nonverbal communication where we start assimilating how someone communicates. So it's not just their words, but we also start having this sort of more intellectual understanding of what they really mean. This is why texting was such a problem when it first came out, because we couldn't see these other kinds of cues that help us understand the communication, right? And it's the right to tell my story in this lifetime. The sixth chakra is Ajna. It's the place between the brows. It's the area of the third eye. And there's actually retinal tissue in this area. So in vitro, we actually were developing a third eye that retracted. Now, how did yoga know that 5,000 years ago? I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? But it's the place of insight and intuition and being inspired by something beyond us. And it's the right to know what I already know without someone else telling me. You just have a knowing, Ajna. And then the last chakra, the crown chakra, is responsible for information about patterns and controlling patterns, you know, the bigger picture. And it's also the place where we get really attached to the way. It's kind of a fundamentalism. So you'll see people who work in uh, fundamentalist cults or in fundamentalist kind of religions being really attached to how they are attached to God. And it's the way when it gets out of balance. But it also gives us the place of connection to something that's beyond what we can see and know in this lifetime. So in this area, I have the right to be connected to everything. You'll see in old pictures, like there'll be halos and things like that painted on angels. And I think that's like, it was just saying it's so open. It has just this direct divine connection to the universe. It doesn't have to mean 
God. I mean, just to the cosmos, which are amazing, right? Absolutely. I really love how you explained the chakras like that. I took yoga teacher training in 2008. So I've known about the chakras for a long time now. And that just was absolutely beautiful. When we are looking at trauma, how do the chakras come into play? How is the connection made? So with trauma, we know that during traumatic events, especially things can go offline. So it's just like part of your brain fragments or shuts down. This is why people in super traumatic situations don't even have a memory. The other thing that can happen, though, is that one system can take over another system's job. So let's just use the second chakra and the fifth as an example, because a friend of mine, meaning me, um, has done this before. Me too. <laughs> so uh, the second chakra's job is to feel. That's the sacred right in this area. If you can't feel something in the moment because feeling would overwhelm you or overpower you, you might move to the fifth chakra and talk about your feelings, but not be able to feel your feelings. And then how that shows up later with a deficient second chakra and an excessive fifth chakra is we get into a relationship with someone and I can't feel what I'm feeling towards you, but I can only tell you what I'm feeling towards you. And there's this huge disconnect because we know when somebody's saying, I'm sorry in a feeling way versus I'm sorry in a verbal way. So it can be so imbalancing to people in relationships if one of the energy centers that's responsible for feeling is shut down. And instead, they pull out an Excel spreadsheet and say, I wrote it all down, baby. Here's what it looks like. Here's how I love you. <laughs> it doesn't, uh, you know, it, and I call it right word, wrong energy. When somebody has the right words for the situation, but the energy is wrong, that's an imbalance between the fifth and the second chakra. If you're not feeling the energy of what you are communicating towards somebody, they know you're full of shit and they don't accept it. And then the clash begins, right? This can even happen with ourselves, though. We communicate in this fifth chakra area by listening to ourselves. So if we tell ourselves, hey, that wasn't my fault, I did my best, but my second chakra is shut down and I can't feel that towards myself, I can't even have the communication towards myself with the right feeling at the same time, and I won't feel because those systems are not balanced. Karina, you explained my previous relationship perfectly, yeah. and I believe that it's not just him. I definitely feel and felt so much that the words and the beingness were totally different that I was hearing and that I was receiving, but also the way that I would talk myself into feeling a certain way or expressing a certain thing or negotiating with myself. Again, that's all up here in that fifth part, not the second part where what if I actually let myself feel the sadness and the pain that I was really feeling. But that's why we do it. So we start moving into these upper energy centers of thought and verbalizing things because the lower energy centers are messy. Feeling something is really messy. A lot of us avoid feelings because once we get into that space, there's no end to it. So we could end up starting to feel some grief and not see any end in sight. So then we pull out of the feeling of things and we start talking about it. And some people even act like speaking your emotions is more intellectual, smarter, higher education than feeling your feelings. So they avoid emotions. Emotions are running the show. We take in 11 billion pieces of information per second emotionally compared to 2 million intellectually. Those emotions are already running the show. Experiencing what we're feeling without being overwhelmed by it continually is where the sweet spot is in life. But it takes a lot of work to get there. 
and folks with trauma, which means everybody <laughs> after 2020, I don't know anyone who is absent of trauma, which just means overwhelm on the nervous system. I don't know anyone who's absent of trauma right now. And so for those of us with this trauma stuck in our body, we go to feel something and it can kind of flood us out. And I would say also that doing this alone is not efficient and it's probably also not effective. And this is where I'm going to interject a little bit about the work that you do, because I've been absolutely blessed to experience it. We are cooking up for the listeners out there. We are cooking up a deal that you can get with Karina. And I would love to offer that to you. I'm going to have the link in the show notes with a special discount code LC15. That's the letters LC. It stands for my name, Laura Christine, and then the number 15, and you'll get 15% off a session with Karina. And it's not just about, again, the cognitive aspect of this. What Karina can do is bring you into your body without it being scary because she's right there with you. And the guidance that she gives you is amazing to not only, and I'll talk to you because I'm actually talking to you now. So it's kind of funny, but, (laughs) but it kind of is like, when I wanted to go into my head, you said, you know what, that's okay. Let's just bring it back in and feel this now. And it was like, oh, because my go-to is I'm going to think about this because I am a thinker and I'm a good thinker. And I like being intellectual, (laughs) Yeah, but that's not going to be effective in healing again, the memory, which I might not even actually know what it is. And then your work just totally not cognitively heals it. And then we can cognitize or what, I don't think that's a word, but (laughs) then we can talk about it after. And it's like, Oh, wow, that totally makes sense. But in the process of it, you've got to be in the process of it. Exactly. Gosh, I love everything that you just said. First of all, let's make cognitize a word. I like it. (laughs) Cognitize. You said something at the beginning of all of that, that I said to somebody, I think it was yesterday, it might have been the day before, almost verbatim. It's almost like you have to do this work alone, but doing it alone is dangerous. When we have trauma, we tend to retract or we you didn't talk about this, but there's an overneediness that comes with trauma, quite frankly. And because I've had my own, I can speak firsthand about this. Mm-hmm. And I would vacillate back and forth between extreme independence and then that 1% of the 100 that I'd allow myself to just sort of let go and melt. I was so needy, there was like a bottom of pit. So in our history, we haven't known how to work with trauma. We didn't know it was located in the body. And we keep these cognitive thinking processes. And we think that that's where the healing is going to be found. And it's not. These seven energy centers take the trauma in and process the information in a way that's non-cognitive. They process it in the language of the ancient system of the body. And I've found a way to bridge what is the story in the chakra? How do we ask that chakra what the story is? I don't know the story. My client doesn't know the story. It's so damn fun to watch the story unfold. I've listened and seen the most amazing movies, you know what I mean, doing this work. But it's like even the client sometimes is like, that's so weird. How can that be true? And I'll be like, yeah, let's talk about that later. So back to the movie, you know, I'm going to let this movie about what's going on unfold. And the reason why it's so important is that chakra is sending a movie up to your brain and your brain is responding to the emotions of it. So the movie might say, don't move because you'll be attacked. So in life, you get really stuck and you don't really know where to turn because there's a story going on in the chakra system that says, don't move or being all of who you are is dangerous. So what we do, what I do is I go in and we find out what the story is because each body takes it in differently. There is no way in the world that you can create one system or one story that's going to fit all seven of these or everyone. So we identify what the story is in there. 
we find out, is it useful to keep that story? Because sometimes some of these energy centers are like, yeah, I like having it this way. And so we don't change the story if it's not ready to be changed. Often there are parts of the stories that once you do change them, they don't dysregulate people anymore. It's like finally changing the story or the trauma that is existing into one that where they feel nourished and validated, loved, held, comforted. And so they're not sending up dysregulating things anymore to feel comforted. They feel a part of themselves is now um, at peace where it wasn't before. That really is what happened in my session with you. (laughs) It really is. And again, the way we can be held by ourselves and another who's there with really, really a neutral and loving, compassionate and open, non-biased space holding is awesome. I believe you're creating a training for practitioners as well. Is this true? Yeah, I just took my first group of clinicians through learning this system so that they can help folks who have trauma. And when I was taking the clinicians through, I was, of course, facilitating some of these for them. (laughs) It was mind-blowing for them. It's amazing, you know, and here's the thing. A lot of times when we talk about what happened to us that's preventing us from moving forward, it re-traumatizes us. Mm. We go back to the same damn story over and over again. My mom, this, my dad, that, my neighbor at school, this. And those stories chemically re-traumatize us. And so it's hard to get out of those stories. And your system doesn't even half the time doesn't even know your mom. It doesn't take in that information that way. It may have been run down and like harmed in some way, but it doesn't see another human being space. It just sees here's what's left and how, what can I do with this? So what happened for me is I had this history of trauma. I've experienced things people shouldn't even have to live through. And I dealt with that by mega independence. And then there came this time in my life where I was being defeated. Found yoga, which most of us have been traumatized by yoga because it's one of the medicines for getting out of trauma. And still had these pieces. As I started teaching clinicians about trauma, because they don't learn it in school, which is unbelievable, the information about trauma is still catching up with psychology. I started bringing these two worlds together and saying, oh my gosh, that's how you heal trauma that got stuck in the chakra system. And since the chakra system is feeding your nervous system information, when you heal those systems, you heal what you are sending up your mind. You heal those thinking processes. You don't heal thinking processes by thinking differently. You heal thinking processes by healing the story in the body. I feel like we use different words, but we still are telling the same story. And I say that because I finally recognized it in myself to be doing this. Oh, shoot. (laughs) Time to tell a different story. Right. And we have all these coaches and somebody who paid $25 to get a certificate for a two-day online something trying to teach us about mindset. And it seemed to be working at first, but these deeper stories that we took in, you can't override them with more talking. That that isn't how it works. It works by identifying what is the story. When you heal the story, you heal the emotion. That's how it works. So the story that the energy system is telling, it's more like a dream where there's lots of mishmashed weird stuff that comes through, or I don't know if you've done ayahuasca or any kind of plant medicine, these stories come out and they're not stories that you can commonly think of. And it's far easier than plant medicine because plant medicine drains your chemistry. This isn't being talked about a lot in the ayahuasca community, but these things can be very difficult to recover from. And people are committing suicide afterward because If you're already in a depleted state in your body and you drain your vitamin B, your vitamin C, and especially if you've traveled somewhere and you're trying to reintegrate it into your life, 
It's so challenging. So the work that I'm doing doesn't drain your chemistry, but it still comes out in these, um, it's hard to describe the way the story unfolds, but it is healing. I mean, you've had some experience of integrating for a few days now, and I don't know what that's been like for you. But. Maybe we can go off mic here in a second, yeah. and we can talk about that. I have a little ayahuasca story I can tell as well. So if you want to get in on these off the mic sessions with my guests, everyone, join me in my inner circle. Before we do that, though, Karina, is there any last thing that feels like it's rising up within you to share on the podcast before we head off mic? I guess my last words would be, if you've tried to heal from trauma over and over again, and you haven't found success yet, do reach out and try at least one of these sessions. I mean, I've helped some really extreme situations. I mean, I feel really good about the work that I do. But before giving up, or allowing other people to shame you that you're not healed yet. Because that happens too, especially in the new age community, which Jeff Brown calls the new cage community. I don't know about that. There are a lot of different components that go into whether or not you're going to heal. And one of them is if you've been restrained, it is so much harder for you to heal, even from something light than somebody else who had either the ability to fight or run and had a far worse trauma like there's some trauma comparisons going on all the time right but when you're restrained those chemicals of cortisol epinephrine and norepinephrine get stuck in the body and that is far more traumatizing and difficult to heal from than being able to fight or run or move during your trauma so before giving up on yourself start doing some research read the body keeps the score by Bessel van der Kolk Dr. Bessel van der Kolk Read Polyvagal Theory by Dr. Stephen Porges. Start looking at what the new research says about trauma because it depends on your DNA, your chakra system that you received, the time that you were born in your family. Even if all the kids suffered the same trauma, it's going to vary who, who can get out of it faster. Don't give up. There's new research coming forward and it will help you, okay? That is such good advice to look into those new theories or the new research happening. And you are more than welcome to join the group. Again, it's free on Facebook, women practicing fierce self-love join us there and we'll get you that information. And you can also learn how to get in on these off the mic sessions. We're going to answer some community questions by Tamsi, Joni and Stephanie. And you're going to hear a little bit of an ayahuasca story. (laughs) So here we go. As promised, here's the off the mic segment with Karina. This week for the Inner Circle members, what I decided to do was create a meditation to help you get in touch with each of your chakras and each of the sacred rites of your chakras to bring your system into balance and into a state of serenity. If you're interested in joining us in the Inner Circle, click the link in the show notes It is a space where you can express to people who understand and will never judge the things that need to be said. Speaking of which, our first inner circle gathering is on August 8th. Yep, that is the Lionsgate 8-8. I really hope you're able to make it. My first guest, Olivera Milojkovic, will be there. She has so much insight into what to do when you start your growth path or if you've been on it for a long time and you found yourself in relationships, whether romantic or not, with people who aren't on the same level as you, aren't playing the same game as you, how to respond to that. So if that's anything you've ever struggled with, we would love to have you at that gathering. Once again, the link to join is down in the show notes. It is $7 a month and I can't wait to see you there. Here's our off the mic segment. I'm mind blown. <laughs> you are? I am. I love that you would gain some value out of that. Oh my God, of course. I'll start by telling you about my ayahuasca journey. I did ayahuasca one time in Ashland before I moved to Hawaii. And I am a kind of person who sees things when I meditate. I just see things like whatever. I have visions or whatever. So I did ayahuasca thinking that I was going to get all these answers 
and like the world was going to be revealed to me and I was going to wake up. So <laughs> I, I went and I did this ayahuasca thing and we had our first drink of it at the beginning of the evening. And it was a beautiful ceremony. It was very well done. And the people were awesome and very deep in their own practice and train and everything. It was legit, right? I took this sip and started to sit there to meditate and literally nothing happened that wouldn't normally happen in a meditation. I was just sitting there meditating. So then we had a second round of it and I took some more. And then my body was basically like, what the F did you just do? Fuck you. Um, what the F and the thing about my body is super strong. So I don't puke. I don't puke. It's so rare that I throw up. And you always hear people saying about ayahuasca, like, oh yeah, it made me throw up and stuff. And it was blah, 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 whatever. But what you don't hear is that somebody can't move, can't also can't throw up, even though she feels like she's going to throw up. And then when it's time to wake up the next morning, can't get up because it hurts so bad. It took me so long to get up and out of that. And I realized this girl does not need any drugs, no drugs here. And I have a pot story. Everything went white, (laughs) no drugs zero, except for maybe a glass of wine here and there. <laughs> That's my ayahuasca story. I don't know if I'm going to keep that in here, but I think people need to know. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's, it, you know, so many people are promoting it. I don't know how people are doing it out in the desert every month. I'm either. like, how are you doing that? So I did it once. I, I had a friend who was like, Hey, I want to do ayahuasca. And I'm like, you don't want to do ayahuasca. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. She had so many control issues. I'm like, I was only doing it to support her. Then she backed out two days before. Cause control issues. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't want to puke in front of people. What if she had diarrhea in front of people? Like, cause I was telling her, I'm like, I've heard all this stuff. You know, I don't think you want to do that. So I think people are hearing these stories and then all oh, my life changed Yes, a lot of stuff can happen in between the moment of ayahuasca and your life changing though. And it does take your vitamin B, your vitamin C, it takes your energy, it takes like it can really drain you. And if you're rolling into it already drained, you're in trouble. This is kind of um a, a not well spoken side effect that people don't want to talk about because they kind of get a lot of negative feedback from people about saying anything about not having a good journey. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that must've been the energy you were in. Oh, you didn't go in with the right intention. Oh, you this, you that, but that's not necessarily what it is. I think you need to share that with people because I, I mean, I had some stuff happen too, and God, it was a nightmare to try and ground it. It yeah. took me a year to ground and I got what I wanted out of it. I went in with a very clear intention and I did a three night sit and I got it on the first night within, you know, just a very short period of time, but to ground it took everything that I have. And I mean, I almost didn't make it. Wow. Wow. We touched a little bit. I would, do you want to get into these community questions and not just chit chat, although I could with you all day. Tamsi had a couple of questions. One, I think we covered already in the form in the formal <laughs> in the main interview uh, and and that was just kind of how treatment of traumas has shifted and why and I'm gonna leave it at it was in the mind and now it's getting to the point where it's with a little a few of these studies with the vagal uh, vagal theory and stuff it's getting more into the body and what you're presenting it's that it's getting into the energy and the not the memory of the thing or not the replaying of the trauma but the story that's stored, which has nothing to do with the actual trauma. Right. Right. And then also actually you probably answered this one too, because it's how, like what ties trauma into the chakra system and how was this connection discovered or revealed to you? Mm. You want me to tell that? Yeah. It's a little bit of a story. Are you okay with that? That's okay. As long as you have time. Yeah. The way that it's tied in is it's the energy center that's giving you the raw information to build ideas, thoughts, and patterns. So it's taken in at an unconscious level, and that energy then grows and manifests thoughts and emotions because it's coming from the body up to the brain through the 10th cranial nerve, the vagus nerve. And it uses the same Once there's trauma, trauma uses the same neural pathways as everyday stress. 
So if you've had enough trauma in your life and your checking account gets low, it's just like you're in survival. Mm. Uh, If someone's gossiping about you, it is just like survival. Because if those systems are overwhelmed with trauma, they flood you with trauma. So uh, the way that this happened is I took an art class and um, it was suggesting, you know, oh, do you want this in your body? Do you want that presenting a body part? And the next day I woke up and I was like, knowing what I know about trauma and then the memories housed there, I'm like, why don't I ask it? Because it stored the information. And I was like, this could be a bridge to the information that's there. And when I got in there, I could not believe the story that was in there. I sobbed. It was just so sad. So sad. But because I saw the story that it took in, I was able to ask if it wanted to change the story, and it did. So I was like, this is how you heal trauma. And I knew it immediately. When was that class that you took? How long ago was that? It was during quarantine. Ooh, it was recent. <laughs> yeah, you know how they say like lots of great music was made during the Black Plague and these other quarantines. <laughs> I was like, maybe I, yeah, it was during quarantine, so it's 2020. Wow. And yes, when we all have that much time to sit and shut up, <laughs> <laughs> things happen. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, is- the, the first year I spent offering it to some of the clinicians that were taking my yoga teacher training for clinicians. I offered it to them first because I thought they have all the research resources in the world in case something's wrong with this idea that I have. And I, I saw people who'd worked for 10 years as a psychologist trying to access their inner child who got it like that. Wow. Yeah. This one, I love this question. Joni asked, Would this help treat trauma in children? And she states that it seems, or I don't think she put that it seems, but the earlier you're able to treat trauma, it seems like the better the outcomes. What do you think about this for treating trauma in children? Do you think it's available to children? Yes, I do. I'd like to get research on it first. Um, I have helped one child with it, which was a friend of mine's child that we had great outcomes because they don't have as many defense mechanisms Mm. against healing as adults do. I know that probably sounds weird, but our ego's job is to protect us. And so we, whatever it brought out of the trauma as a defense mechanism, it does keep the trauma there. But also the ego believes that it's protecting you from being re-traumatized by holding it. And so as adults keep these defense mechanisms, it's harder to treat trauma, you know, the longer that the body uh, sticks to it. And kids are just more open to the magic of themselves. We are magical. 93% of our body is the same thing as stardust. 97% of our teeth is stardust. That's scientific. Your nervous system laid end to end wraps around the world three and a half times. That's magical. I can't, that's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. And so kids believe in the magic of who they are. And so they get it right away. I just, I would like a lot of research going into it, but if they are working with a psychologist, I would work with a child. Mm -hmm. because Safety is always the protocol, always for me. Yeah. I love that. Safety. That's that root chakra issue that we talked about. Yes. So well, that's what you have to have in order to heal trauma. You can't heal trauma without safety. Yeah. That's what you're seeing right now with a lot of us getting all dysregulated. There's a lot of studies showing you can't process trauma until you're safe. So now that like the vaccine is out or things are starting to open, people are feeling safe. Mm-hmm. Now you're seeing them actually process the trauma. After the breakup of an important relationship, you don't process it right away. The death of a sibling or something, you don't process it. It takes you like a year and then all of a sudden you get safe. And that's when you really actually start to process it. You have to have safety in order to heal. Wow. The last one that I'm going to bring forward is from Stephanie, who I know is in school to be a therapist. And 
so she, and she's a yoga teacher as well. She's a beautiful Mm -hmm. yoga teacher. And she is wondering about when to use the language. I feel like it's the language. Is it appropriate to use Sanskrit in treating trauma or to say the word chakras? Or do you even not even have to go there? It's inappropriate. And this is why any word or system or anything that's presented that a person who has trauma is not crystal clear what it means can be re-traumatizing. So like there's satanic types of ritual abuse where things are being chanted where they don't know what the words are and what they mean. So Sanskrit is not appropriate, even though it's a perfect language, said to be a perfect language, it's not appropriate for trauma. And it would, you'd have to build some trust over time and being able to show someone like on a piece of paper what the word means if they're open to hearing some Sanskrit language, because vibrationally, Sanskrit does have an impact on the body. I don't know if you've seen these uh, vests that they're doing now for folks who are deaf, but the uh, vest pings on the body to create a vibration when somebody's talking so they can hear what someone's saying by the vest vibration. If you say a word, it has a vibration and an effect on someone's body. But when someone doesn't know what that word means, it can be actually traumatizing. So it's not appropriate. That's a really interesting point of, but it's not even a point of view. That's just an interesting fact. fact. All of it, all of that, that uh, if you don't know what it means and that it does take time to build that trust. And if you do, then if they're willing, you know, that kind of thing, but not to just, Hey, this word, <laughs> right? right. Or even sometimes words that we do know what it means that sound well-intended, like relax, uh-huh. just relax your body because you're too tense. Oh God. A lot of predators <laughs> use the word relax. They'll say relax and it won't hurt as much. Oh God. Oh. You can relax. Do our parents know you're safe with me? So a lot of our everyday language is actually mm. inappropriate for trauma as well. And most psychologists are not being taught these kinds of things because their schooling and education has been hardwired in a certain way for so long. All of this new information coming forward is coming out of research and studies that are just now unfolding. And right. So, yeah. Even the English language, something that you would think would be okay is inappropriate for folks with trauma. Wow. So you really need trauma sensitive training. Yes. And Another question, and she is very mindful and and such a compassionate person. So this makes sense. But what terms can be triggering? And you just said relax, even though her question is basically when discussing chakras, but maybe we don't even discuss chakras. We just come in with a knowing of what they are and use different terms. talk about energy centers. Okay. And Mm -hmm. so for somebody, there are people who are still very opposed to yoga and feel like it's connected to Hinduism and that that would be against their religion or against their way of being. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that, and I shouldn't be, you know, when I bump into somebody who still feels like yoga is a very uh, narrowed kind of field. I understand that though now, but um, generally speaking, saying seven energy centers is trauma sensitive and talking about what the energy centers are responsible for but we don't always know what energy center is being affected, even though, I'll give you an yeah. example. The root chakra is responsible for safety. But if it's been overwhelmed as a kid and shut down in order to deal with the overwhelm, some other chakra starts kind of taking over that safety system and manages it so something else that happens as an adult that creates safety issues might not even be taken in by the first chakra anymore so the only way that we know what's going on in your system is by asking it mm-hmm. <laughs> and i know how to ask it <laughs> so all this work that's kind of come together it's a good starting point but because you are you you have your own way of how you took things in We can only ask you, and even you don't know until you ask the unconscious. Your conscious brain does not know, you know, like the work that you and I did, we couldn't have guessed that story. No, I couldn't have guessed that story. You (laughs) couldn't have guessed that story. It's just very unique. Yeah, which is kind of beautiful in many ways. And then 
Just real quick, when would it be appropriate to invite clients to do this kind of work? And I think, well, I'll let you answer the question. I, I could put all my thoughts and everything, but they're asking no, I, you. I mean, you know, I mean, what are your thoughts? I'd love to hear your thoughts. What are your... <laughs> well, my total not having had anything to do with psychology ever <laughs> experience or non-experience would say that it really depends on the person. And if if you're coming from a background of a, being a yoga teacher since 2008 and you know what the chakras are and you're like, you know, I don't know what's going on. And also I haven't had, I, she used the term high trauma. And I'm assuming that that is kind of that, like you were uh, it, attacked. It could be complex or it could be developmental. It could okay. Be like trauma. Yeah. Okay. Which I don't even know what that is, but it depends on the person, right? Yes. And your relationship with the person and everything always with permission. Yeah. See, you already know. Part of that really is the relationship with the person, you know, if they trust you. It, this information is so great. Of course, as yoga teachers, you know, all three of us that you're talking about, you and I and, and she are all yoga teachers. So we want to vomit all that information all over people because we're like, it's so good. It's so cool. It's so important, right? But that person might not be ready for it. And they may not be in a place where they can afford to trust somebody who's even trustworthy yeah. to share something new with them yet. So it, de- it does depend on the relationship that you have with them, when you can introduce it, and when they're ready for it. Quite frankly, the sooner the better when they are ready for it, because energy can move like that. Words mm-hmm. move like Huh. And the physical world moves like wah, wah, wah. So trying to change the physical world is the slowest way of addressing something. Energy is the fastest. Right. So yeah. true. That's why I'm so excited about this work. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. And you're amazing. And I'm so, so grateful for having you on my podcast, my second podcast. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. And the work that you do is really, really loving and beautiful and empowering. So thank you. Thank you. you. Empowering. That's the first word in my tagline. We look forward to seeing you in the inner circle, especially at the gathering on 8-8. Tell your friends all about it. The link is in the show notes. If you have found this podcast to be helpful at all, please leave a rating, write a review on Apple Podcasts, share this with friends, and be sure to stay true to you and don't give